Hello friends, it's Jim Nance and it's my great pleasure to welcome you to Beyond the Clubhouse, a podcast hosted by my friend Garrett Johnston. He is a testament to one of the great things about this sport, the friendships that come from playing or even just talking about the game. And you're going to meet some of the characters that Garrett has gotten to know from this past decade plus that he's been covering the sport. You're going to hear from players, caddies, members of the media. You're going to get the storytelling, the golf news, the players' swing tips, and a whole lot of laughs. It's coming your way with this edition of Beyond the Clubhouse. Here's Garrett. All right, welcome into this special edition of Beyond the Clubhouse. Of course, it's a major championship weekend, the U.S. Oval, one of the best events of the year. And I'm going to talk about Patrick Reed. We're going to visit with Patrick Reed from the moment he won his Masters. Just a month or so afterwards, I visited with him. I was in the car actually driving on vacation in Virginia. And uh, we just caught up with him. It was a couple days before the U.S. Open at Shinnecock. But this is some really important information. You're going to hear how he practices, the way he thinks about getting better, putting himself in really difficult positions when he's on his practice rounds. And think about that. That's what this U.S. Open is all about. Is it a surprise that he's making a run here at winged foot? No. In, in my opinion, you're going to hear his mentality also about playing with, uh, by himself and, and his practice rounds in general for majors. We're going to get into stories with Tiger Woods at the Masters. There's all kinds of good stuff here. Um, but also just, too, what would it mean for him to win a U.S. Open? We get into that as well. A lot of interesting information here. Patrick Reed, listen, love him or hate him, he's somebody who is a big part of the golf world. He's, you can't ignore the guy. And I know there's a lot of stuff, of course, uh, in 2014, remember, shushing the crowd in Scotland. I remember asking him a couple months afterwards, what did you expect the crowd to do after you shushed them? You know what he said? He said he was expecting beer cans, soda cans to be thrown at him as he finished. Uh, and when they did finish there in Scotland, of course, they lost at Glen Eagles, Team USA. He was getting a lot of, from his perspective, now take that into consideration. He said, hey, we were, I was getting a lot of cheers, a lot of attaboy, Patrick. And he felt like he earned some respect in some ways from the Scottish fans. So, of course, everybody's perspective on things like that is different. Of course, we all know Patrick Reed, of course, in the bunker that we saw uh, Tiger Woods' event and Hero World Challenge, of course, uh, the camera angle, blaming things on the camera angle. I know he gets a lot of flack for that, and that's his perspective. That's his opinion, and obviously um, a lot of criticism, and some of it might be warranted. But uh, anyway, Patrick's going to do things his way. He's going to do what makes sense to him, and that much has been abundantly clear. And guess what? Here we are going into the last two rounds of a major championship. What is his record? In those situations, think about the U.S. Open 2015 at Chambers Bay, tied for the 36-hole lead. Remember that? With Jordan Spieth. Spieth would end up winning it. What did Reed do at a U.S. Open in that position? He shot 76-6 over. Now, this is a different Patrick Reed, okay? At that point, he was not a major champion. He had not had as much success in the Ryder Cup. Of course, uh, the, the match with Rory McIlroy and the finger-wagging there was the next year. But still... That is some precedent, so we have to keep that into consideration as he tries to win his second major here 
that he has struggled when he's been in the mix deep into a U.S. Open. He only has three, excuse me, four top tens in major championships. I know say only. The guy's 30 years old. He's been around for a good amount of time. A 22-year-old was a rookie. So that's kind of looking at some of his uh, sample size of his U.S. Open experience. But let's also remember at the Masters when he had a good chance. I think it was the next time he had a share of the lead through 36. It was actually a two-stroke lead, solo lead, going into that Saturday at Augusta. You know how he responded? Five under par 67 on that Saturday. So really was ready the next time once he got back in the saddle. And, of course, he goes one under and wins the Masters there. He plays in the presence of Rory McIlroy, beats Rory, that one event Rory wants so desperately he was able to deny Rory. And some of that was uh, self-inflicted by Rory, of course. But still, any player, you're paired with Rory McIlroy in the final round on Sunday, you've never won a major, that says a lot that Reed was able to come through and do that. So, anyway... There's a lot coming on here on the line here, and we're going to see how Patrick responds this weekend. There's a lot of big names, too. I'm looking forward to see how Bryson DeChambeau plays. Uh, I really am looking forward to Xander Schauffele. I think he's hasn't finished outside the top 10 in the U.S. Open. Unbelievable stuff. And, of course, John Rahm at one over par going into the weekend has a chance, another chance in a major. We're going to see how he plays. Uh, Matthew Wolf, one heck of a player, too. But, anyway, Justin Thomas in the mix as well. We're going to see how this unfolds, but let's get to Patrick Reed. Some really insightful stuff here on Beyond the Clubhouse. You, you've always been a confident player. I mean, that's been just a huge, huge strength, I imagine. But how much confidence do you have going into this major compared to, to other majors? I mean, I wouldn't say any more or any less. I just feel, I mean, I feel really good. I mean, I've been up here being able to practice a little bit. You know, since closing off at Augusta, I mean, my past two majors, I finished second, and then I won the last one. So, um, you know, I, I just feel like it, the pressure won't be as, as large, you know, trying to force yourself to win your first major now that I've gotten that done. So, and then I'll just hopefully go out and, you know, just play as well as I can and try to get myself in contention come late Sunday and try to see if I can close off another one. Sure, sure. With the Masters finish and the awesome finish there, what's the most, a couple of the most memorable congratulations you received there? Like, wow, that, that hey, that, hey, that's awesome. I, I appreciated that. Well, you know, I, I mean, I had a, a great letter from, you know, President Bush. I had, you know, I've had multiple presidents contact myself. Um, you know, that I've had multiple of the players. I had, uh, Mr. Nicholas and uh, Mr. Player both wrote me, and Mr. Crenshaw all wrote me handwritten letters, which, uh, you know, which is really, really nice and really cool because in, in our day and age, it's it's emails or, you know, or stuff like that. It's, it's never really a handwritten letter. For them to take their time, you know, take their time out of their day to write a letter to me was, uh, I thought, really, was really cool, really, you know, really, cla- you know, class guys and, uh, you know, anytime you re- receive something from the president, is always uh, always pretty sweet. It was that Bush uh, Senior or or W that sent you the letter. W. W. Wow. Man, that's awesome. Um, what What would it mean though? I, I What would it mean to win the U.S. Open? Um, just that tournament in particular. Oh, man, it would mean it would mean a ton. I mean, uh, being. You know, our national open and then on top of it being uh 
you know, being the second major of the year, and especially this one, I mean, um, it, on paper, I'm the only guy that has a chance of winning the Grand Slam this year, all in the same year. So, uh, you know, that'd be really special because that means you're halfway there. And, you know, it's just something that, you know, anytime you, you can win your National Open and really win any major, it's, it, it's always special. And, uh, you know, to be able to do it back-to-back by winning my first major at, at the Masters and then with this one, that would be, uh, be really be just a really awesome experience. And but the big thing is you just you can't get ahead of, ahead of yourself and try to, uh, you know, force the issue and just go out and try to play some good golf. Have you actually, speaking of the Grand Slam, that's a great point, because I remember we talked, remember on Masters Wednesday, um, at the, during the Par 3 contest when you finished, you'd mentioned, hey, if I win the Masters, that gives me a chance at the, at the Grand Slam. Have you actually visualized winning the Grand Slam? No, honestly, I haven't. Um, but uh, now that I've won the Masters, of course, it's it's a goal you're going to try to do because you're the only guy that has the opportunity. So... Um, you know, I've I've thought about it, and you know, but at the end of the day, I don't I don't I don't think about it that much just because I know that if I, if I, if you think far ahead, you're you're taking away from the moment, and you know, if you take away the from the moment, you're not going to play great golf. And with that being said, then all of a sudden you're not going to have even an opportunity. So, you know, it always it, I mean, it's always in the back of your mind, but really, it's probably the last thing that's on my mind because you know, there's so many tournaments I have to go out and win in order to do that. I mean, you have to win the four top events on the planet. And, you know, it's just going to be one of those things I have to go out and continue to uh, continue to grind and keep giving myself chances late Sundays and hopefully be able to cap them off. Well, I like you just talked about the moment there. How, how do you really sharpen that? You know, I know you talked about reps and trying to get in, in – have chances to win tournaments going into this year, but how, how do you really sharpen that at the very highest level for, for Patrick Reed? I think the biggest thing is just, you know, keep on, you know, keep practicing and, and just keep putting myself in just uncomfortable situations on the golf course. Um, you know, a lot of practice rounds, you just, you hit a drive and if you don't hit a good one, you hit another one and then you just always go and play from the fairway. And, you, know, you just got to put yourself in some of those uncomfortable spots and, you know, put yourself in areas you don't want to be in and try to figure out a way to get it out because, you know, the guys that win golf, like the majors, and, you know, especially like a U.S. Open or even at a Masters and stuff, you're going to get those bad breaks where you get a bad bounce or you're going to hit a poor shot that ends up in the, the wrong spot. But, it, right. it, you know, so you have to learn how to co- not only cope with that but figure out how to get it up and down or figure out how to save you know, save bogey rather than turning double into play, and you know that's really the biggest difference between the guy that wins wins a major than the guy that finishes third, fourth, fifth, second, tenth. You know, it's the guy that's able to get that one crazy spot and save a shot. And so, uh, you know, it's just you know try to keep yourself always keep yourself uncomfortable. I mean, that's basically what I try to do: just keep myself uncomfortable every time I go out there, rather than always doing the same thing over and over again. I like it. <laughs> that's. Uh... Well, and speaking of practice, as you mentioned, being uncomfortable in your practice, are you planning on playing all your rounds by yourself, or will you play with any specific players you think in the lead-in? Uh, you know, I mean, it, it all depends. I mean, it's almost impossible to play by yourself at uh, you know, the U.S. Open because there's so many players and you have to do tee times, etc. But, um, you know, I've been doing a lot of playing here recently at the golf course, and, you know, I mean, 
if it's up to me, I mean, I, I mean, I, I most likely, I mean, I'm going to sign up for the times that I think are best for me, and whoever joins me, then you know, I'll go out and play with them. But uh, you know, a lot of times I'm probably trying to try to focus as much as I can on what I'm trying to do and get the most out of the round. Definitely. Uh, last question. I want to keep it short and sweet for you because I know it's a big, big week. Um, I remember Tuesday at the Masters. Remember, you were on the eighth hole and you were hitting your third shots in on Tuesday practice by yourself. And Tiger, remember, Tiger was walking down 9T with Freddie yeah. and, and JT. And Tiger and you were joking about something. And at the end, Tiger said, oh, whatever, whatever. Like, I, I didn't hear what you, what, what, what did you say? I, well, so someone hit the ball into a tree on, off at 9T. So, of course, I gave Tiger the hard, hard time. I was like, hey, so is that you hitting the trees over there? And so, you know, and then he was going, we were going back and forth, just having a good time. And, uh, and that's the thing. When you get in these big events, you got, you just got to stay loose. And, you know, especially at, uh, at Augusta, for me, I, I like to kind of make it way larger than it really is and put it, you know, because it's such an important and big event for myself. So I was just trying to do anything I could, just, you know, keep myself loose and, and there's no easier way than start to, you know, start going back and forth with Tiger Woods. <laughs> Enjoy the week and uh, have fun with the family too. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. And, hey, have fun on the vacation. All right, buddy. Thanks. All right. Okay. See ya. Bye. All right, my thanks to Patrick Reed for joining me. This was, again, from a couple years ago. It was from June 2018. And I know you can hear old interviews and think, oh, that's old stuff. That's old news. No. Some of the stuff that he went over there in that interview, when we talk about his winning mentality, his practice mentality, he wants to be out of position. He wants to be uncomfortable. I think all of us can learn from that as recreational, as amateur golfers can learn from that. But also, a, a player going for his first U.S. Open it kind of makes a little more sense. We're wondering how is he missing so many fairways, under 50% on fairways, under 50% on greens. Well, this is showing you a little bit of his mindset, and that's really some of the goals here of this Beyond the Clubhouse podcast. I want you guys to understand how these players are thinking and why they get to where they are um, in these tournaments. So anyway, hope you took away uh, a bit there from Patrick. Of course, a great story with, with Tiger Woods. I think he was relaxed and, and it was good to hear some insight there on his time talking with the GOAT a couple years ago in the Masters. Anyway, hope you enjoy the weekend of the U.S. Open and uh, look forward to catching you again soon on Beyond the Clubhouse. Of course, you can follow me on Twitter at Johnson Garrett. Uh, Beyond the Clubhouse on Twitter at Beyond Clubhouse. Facebook, Beyond the Clubhouse. Twitter, or excuse me, Facebook page for myself as Garrett Johnston, and then lastly, Instagram at Garrett Johnston Golf. So a lot of ways we can connect. Let's talk about uh, Patrick Reed's chances and some of these other favors. I, I also really like my, my other guy going into the week with Xander Shoffley. So let's talk about that here as the weekend unfolds. Guys, who do you like uh, to win this U.S. Open here? Matthew Wolf is another big one, young name, and of course, Bryson DeChambeau. Cannot overlook Bryson. So Enjoy the rest of this weekend, and thanks again for joining me on Beyond the Clubhouse.